in addition to the donation, you have to think about the loved one that you lost. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a very sensitive matter. And we are we ensure that we remain sensitive throughout the situation. It's right. not a matter of it's like a drive through. We just come get them and go on. It's not no, it's no. what we we are very careful with our families and we keep in touch. We keep in touch with our recipients and with our donors because they make it happen. They they help us save lives. And so yes. we have wonderful relationships and networks with right. them. And we keep those relationships intact. African-Americans are one of the smallest groups to register as organ donors. But according to the United Network for Organ Sharing, there are currently nearly 114,000 on the national waiting list. Additionally, there are more than 4,000 Mid-Southerners awaiting organ and tissue donation. 2,000 of them are African-Americans awaiting kidney donations. The Mid-South Transplant Foundation is challenging local churches and faith-based organizations to learn more about organ and tissue donation and become donors during this special drive they're calling Give Life 10 going on right now through September 1st. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, and we have a studio full today. Especially excited to have Mid-South Transplant here. Tammy Pate is representing Mid-South Transplant. Tammy, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having us, Byron. How's my friend Randa? Is she doing well? Randa's doing very well. Uh, you guys stay busy, don't you? We do. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're looking forward to learning more about the ongoing work of Mid-South Transplant Foundation here in our area. And, of course, uh, also this uh, Give Life 10 Dr. Eugene, affectionately known as Gino Gibson, senior pastor of the Olivet Fellowship Baptist Church in Memphis. Pastor Gino, I I think you have a little bit of a name change. Yes, we call it the place of the outpouring. I've been there about 15 years. Thank you. And uh, we have been using that affectionately probably 10 of the 15 years that I've been there. The place of the outpouring. Yes. I like that. Well, it's the translation. One of the translations for the pool of Bethesda, the place of two outpourings, the place of the outpouring of grace and mercy. Wow. And uh, we just borrowed that to make sure that we understood that whatever help you need, you can come to the house of God to find it. Last year, our Bot Radio Network has taken some tours to Israel, and I got to go two times last year Mm -hmm. as part of the group. I got to go to the Pool of Bethesda. It's amazing. You, it? Have you been there? I was there in October. It's an amazing. You can see the colonnades yes. of, and all of those things. It's amazing. You know, what was so amazing to me, you know, when you read that scripture, there was this man for, I think, 37 years who mm-hmm. was paralyzed. And he, he was very close to the water, but no one was there to help him when the, the story was the angel stirred the water for healing. He wasn't able because right. he had no one to get him there. So I envisioned when I read that verse that he was just a few feet, maybe 10 or 20 feet away from this pool of water. Mm-hmm. But when you go there, it's you know what I'm massive, talking about. How massive that area is. And how far down you go. had to go to get to the water. Yes. I mean, it was like, it was a hike. You know, if you didn't have any mobility to walk on your own, you were in trouble. You were. Yeah. You were. I like the outpouring of grace. You know, we need it in our life, don't we? <laughs> we definitely do. Oh, my goodness. Well, we also want to welcome here Miss Sabrina, Sabrina Smith. She is a donor recipient. I guess, Miss Sabrina, that Mid-South Transplant Foundation played an important role in your life. Is that right? Yes, they did. Tell me about your story. So, eight years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 type diabetes. That's juvenile diabetes. So, after the eight years went by, and like, I guess in my 20s, I developed a lot of fluid gain, and I thought it was weight at first, but I knew something was wrong. So I went to the doctor, got checked out, and they told me that I had to go on dialysis the next day. 
So, of course, you know, I'm 23 and I'm like, old people get sick, not me. And before we go there, (laughs) tell me about some of your life, some of your hobbies, your interests, things you like to do before you got that news, your activity, your regular, normal lifestyle. Well, I was really into music. I like music. I was in band in high school. Um, I was actually in college at the time. Um, A lot of things, I mean, I like to travel, a lot of those things. So once I started developing this health issue, life started slowing down. I was walking slower, couldn't move as fast, a lot of things. Started messing with my vision. So that's when I knew something was wrong. And I need to be checked out. But you had no idea that you would need a transplant, did you? No. Pretty big news for anybody, but especially when you're, like you said, 23 years old? Yes. How did you discover Mid-South Transplant Foundation? Who told you about this organization? Well, this was actually, got in touch with them after transplant, which is so funny. I was at the one-year Christmas party after my transplant, and I met Zola Burgess. And she was talking to me about writing my donor family. And I didn't remember kind of what she looked like, but I just remembered that night, just how she was just kind of talking. So I ended up contacting them about volunteering. And that's when I ended up about two years after transplant meeting donor family. And then I started volunteering. So Wow. And you started volunteering also. Mm-hmm. Tammy, this is a good person to have on board, huh? <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting, Tammy, to me is the fact that she and I never talked to anybody who discovered Mid-South transplant after their transplant. So is that uncommon or? No, sir. Um, a lot of people go through the process um, with their doctors and um, you're a medical team. So you may not be familiar with Mid-South transplant. We recently had a meeting for individuals that just went through the transplant centers here in the city. And we met them after the fact. We met a lot of recipients right. um, after they've gone through the transplant centers here in Memphis. Well, Sabrina just said a lot of things that we want to talk about today in reference to being a recipient and being a donor, too. I don't know if you knew, Sabrina, that you have in common with Pastor Gino. Pastor Gino studied music at Vandercook College of Music mm-hmm. in his native Chicago, <laughs> where he received the Hell A. Vandercook Talent Scholarship for Vocal Performance, yeah. Pastor wow. Gino. Okay. <laughs> Did you know that? You've done your homework. No, I yes. <laughs> so we might have to have you sing before we leave the show today. We'll, we'll see what we can do. No. <laughs> this is pretty staggering news, Pastor Gino, when I was seeing that more than 4,000 Mid-Southerners that are waiting organ and tissue donation, and 2,000 of them are African-Americans awaiting kidneys? Yes, sir. The, kid, the kidney, I'm told, is in the African-American community is the highest need for transplant. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, as I share with my congregation many times, um, African-Americans are with spooky people as it pertains to um, donor, donating. Well, you know, I think humans in general, yeah. I mean, when you, for we, the unknown. We want to take everything with us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just recently, Olivet Fellowship Baptist Church, or as you mentioned, the outpouring, mm-hmm. had a kickoff event on Sunday, July 28th to help bring awareness for organ donation. What was the response from your congregation, Dr. Gibson? Well, we we anticipated six to ten people signing up, but it was 23 people that signed up on that one day. And we were excited. We're, we're a medium-sized congregation, but we were excited that, that people are signed up. And even those that did not sign up, they took information so that they could talk it over with their families and possibly sign up to come. I am an organ, donation, um, organ donor. My wife is. And we just want to make sure that we give back. 
Did you have any reservations before when you thought about the process of signing up for organ donor? Well, um, we, we lost a young man at our church uh, several years ago, and he was seven years old, died in a car accident, but he donated his organs and saved eight people. And when I saw the ability to give life, it just blessed me to the point I had to sign up. Why do you think African-American community has been one of the smallest groups to register for organ and tissue donation? Um, several reasons. One being, like he said, um, the, the myths they have about organ and tissue donation, as well as the lack of knowledge, education. So it's important. That's one of the things we do at Mid-South Transplant. We make sure that we educate the public, specifically with churches. And so the campaign that we have, Give Life 10, has been amazing because the pastors that have been advocating for us have been very supportive. And as they urge their membership to support, they come out, we set up a table at their locations, and they have questions and we answer them. But we definitely know that that's a wonderful avenue to getting inside of the African-American community through our churches here in the city. Right. Tammy, you mentioned the myths. Of course, Pastor also alluded mm-hmm. to that. Can we just talk about some of those myths? Yes, sir, we can. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are they? Um, some of the myths include a lot of African-Americans tend to feel that their organs will specifically go to other communities and not African-Americans that may need them. Another myth, they're too old. Some people feel they're too old for donation. Some of the myths include they feel that, you know, if they don't have enough money or if they're not of a certain status, that if they're in need of an of a, an organ, they won't be considered because they're not, quote unquote, important enough or have enough money. And that's not the case. None of those um, myths are true. So dispelling the misconceptions is one thing we, we work hard to do at Mid-South. Yeah, and we want to underline what you just said there are all myths. That's Correct. not true at all. Correct. If you had help educate those in your congregation too, Pastor? Yeah, and, and we talked about that. You, you do not... Um, uh, one of the other myths is that they won't save your life mm-hmm. uh, if you're on the do- organ donation and they will hasten your demise to, to procure your organs. That's not true either. The, the historical... Um, problem with the African-American community sometimes is founded historically with the Tuskegee Institute uh, as well as Henrietta Lacks. So there are some some things that have happened historically that make people say, hey, I don't know. But Mid-South Transplant does an amazing job Mm -hmm. at educating as well as being one of the uh, top organ procurement organizations in the country. Tammy, one of the main things you guys do, of course, is connecting uh, people in need of life-saving organ tissue transplants with donors. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you do that? Well, again, through education, um, our main focus is ensuring that we increase the registry. And we're we're working hard to increase the registry with African-American donors. So it's important that people understand being on the registry is one of the ways and increasing it is one of the ways we can help save lives because more um, more people are available at the, you know, as, right. as if, if you have an organ that you're in need of and your pool is small, the chances of you having a second chance at life are kind of slim to none because there aren't that many options. So increasing right. the the registry increasing increases the chances for those to, um, who eventually need organ transplants to have their life saved. Right, Sabrina, when you discover that you're going to have to have a, a kidney transplant in your case, how much time went from the time you got the news that you were going to have to be on the list or, you know, waiting for a donor? How long did you have to wait? I would say a total of about six months because it took maybe a month or so 
to get you worked up to get on the list. So it's like a lot of tests you have to do to make sure your body can receive the organ. Yeah. So because I received a kidney pancreas, the wait time for that is six months or less because you need two organs versus one. So it looks like you're, I guess, sicker or more need. So maybe move up on the list a little bit. It, it's again, it also matters. Um, if you're on the list, if you're on multiple lists, there are multiple registries. And uh, like she said, making making sure her body is prepared to right. receive at any given time. So making sure you're eating right, making sure you're healthy. Those are important factors as well. Did you have any anxiety, Sabrina, during that wait? Six months. I mean, that's doesn't seem a long time. But when you're moving forward and wondering, you know, am I going to make it? Is somebody going to be there for me? Did you have those concerns or fears? I mean, of course, it was scary. And, you know, you fight depression because you don't know what's going to happen, the unknown. But I guess having faith, I knew I'd be fine. I just didn't know what what I was going to face down the road to get to the fine place. Exactly. But I guess, I mean, right before, actually, the Friday before I got the call, I went to the doctor. And with the kidney, you know, eventually you stop urinating. And he was like, are you still urinating? And I was like, yeah, why? And he's like, because eventually you're going to stop. And so I went back into this dark place. And then he's like, just call and see how far you are on the list. And by that time, I ended up getting a call that Monday morning, 3 in the morning. So at that time, you were getting scheduled for surgery. Yes. That was pretty fast. Okay, Tammy, who qualifies to be an organ donor? Once you're added to the registry. I'm not talking about the recipient. Pastor Gino, how did he know he would be qualified to be a donor? Or you don't really know at that time. When you right. You don't know when you join, but um, you never know when it's necessary. So yeah. um, there, we've had recipients and we've had donors for their families. Most of the time, um, you are your organs aren't necessarily utilized until upon death. So one thing that we have, we have been encouraging everyone to become a donor because you never know. You can, you have two kidneys and you can function with just one. So we have encouraged more people to join the registry because you never know when a loved one um, may be in need of an organ, specifically kidneys. It's good to make sure that once you're on the registry, if in, if you need it, tests will be um, done. They have tests to make sure that your body is compatible. Um, we have a recipient and a donor that, that is here locally, a wife gave to her husband, but she had to make sure that, you know, they had to run tests throughout the family, family members that were willing to say, okay, we have a loved one in the family that needs a, we, well, we have to get checked for that. So you still have to get checked, even if it's someone, you know, personally, or, you know, if you have a friend, a friend or family that you're willing to donate for, you still have to go through the proper test to um, make sure. That doesn't mean you're going to qualify. Right. Just because you're related. Correct. Right. Any health reasons why someone can't be in a No, sir. You wouldn't know until you get tested. So, yeah. well, I mean, um, say, actually, it's currently like you have hepatitis or some other type of. They'll know, let you know. They'll let you know yes, all sir. that. Okay. The, med- the medical professionals will do their jobs and they'll go. let you know okay. those situations. We actually have a registry for HIV. You guys um, have it all together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, do any of the 2,000 African Americans that are waiting for kidneys right here in the Mid South area right now? Do they have to wait specifically for an African-American donor? No, sir, they do not. Um, Again, it's based on blood type. It's based on um, 
at that time, your he- your height, your weight. There are a lot of other medical factors right. that play And into what's it. exciting about this, Pastor, is because we're all part of the human race. We right. are. And so our parts are interchangeable, right? Yeah. They are. They are. <laughs> God, God, when God created us, knew what God was doing. Trust me. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And that's really the point I was trying to make right. here, you know. Mm-hmm. But there is a need. Is it a critical need? And how does this need we're talking about now, Tammy, compared to maybe other markets and cities around the U.S.? Well, Memphis, uh, uniquely, we know that we have more African-Americans in need of donations, specifically um, kidney donation. Now, it, it helps if it can help your chances if you have those that are uh, genetically deve- built the way your body is. To have more people in the pool helps. Um, i recently spoke with a recipient and she's an older um, Caucasian and she, because of her body size, she's much older than her donor. Her donor was only 15 or 16, but because of her body size, even though they had a huge age um, gap because she was a, a smaller, older person, petite, she, her heart matched for the, the young lady that donated. So, um, you just never know. You never, you never know. know how someone can bless you. So it's important to make sure you're, especially if you're on the list, make sure you're eating properly, making sure that you um, regularly are in, in touch with your doctors and making sure that your body is um, able to receive, like Sabrina mentioned. So making sure that you, you keep, you do what you need to do um, at all times because that call, you never know when you'll get the call if you're right. on the list. Yeah. Um, it was back in 1968 when a tissue typing laboratory was first set up here in Memphis. Back in 1970, Dr. Lewis G. Britt performed the area's first kidney transplant, followed by three more local kidney transplants that year. Uh, how many transplants have occurred, or do you know, in our city since 1970? Oh, MG. <laughs> I don't have that number on the top of my head. Um, I know this year alone we have over about 10,000 transplants since January of this year nationally. 10,000? Nationally. So, um, and the list has gone down a few thousand over the years annually. So we have more people that are being educated, more people that are making making that important decision to help save another life. So uh, again, education is key. So the more people that learn about organ and tissue donation, how it can help someone, how it can help a loved one they know, the more we can get that number down from 113 plus thousand. Exactly. Okay, Pastor Gino, I know that you are happily have engaged this uh, Give Life 10 uh, drive that we're in right now through September 1st. You, along with uh, Dr. Bartholomew Orr from Brown Missionary Baptist Church, Stacy Spencer of New Direction. Who else do you know so far that is joining you and other pastors are working together to get this word out? Well, there there are several people that are in a video that we produced. Mid-South Transplant produced several um, pastors. Dr. Gina Stewart is there. Uh, Bishop Brandon Porter is there, of course, with uh, Stacy and Bart, who you've already mentioned. We're just trying. I think the critical need is awareness. We need to let people know 
And it's a whole world, Byron, that people don't know unless they know. Yeah. I'm on the board of Miss South Transplant. And until I got on the board about four or five years ago, I knew nothing about the height, depth, width and breadth of organ donation and sitting in some of those meetings and hearing these stories of just successful transplants and how people are able to continue their lives. It's just an amazing, amazing joy of mine. So, so we have uh, this example here with Sabrina, yes, but yeah. you, of course you're hearing other stories. Mm-hmm. Any other things that kind of enlightened you since you've been on the board, things you've learned about it? Well, um, we always end the meetings with a, a video, and the video is always um, an uplifting, an uplifting uh, piece to watch. Uh, Sabrina is just one of many stories of of um, just life being able to continue uh, to continue with some sense of um, happiness and joy yes. because of the donation of someone else. Sabrina, you mentioned something that you did after you received the, the kidney. And I guess pancreas also. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that from the same donor or was it two different donors? Yes, same donor. Same donor. That you wrote a letter to the family. What was that like? Well, it was funny. I was in the process of writing this letter and I got a letter and I was reading it. I said, oh, this is what the letter is supposed to look like, you know, that your donor family sends you. Then I read the other letter that I should have read first and it was actually from my donor family. So this was in 2006. So like maybe a month or so later, they set up the donor family ceremony or something. That's when I met my donor's parents and family. What was that like for you? Oh, I was nerve-wracking at first because you're nervous. You don't know what they're going to say. But, I mean, of course, it's positive because the Mid-South Transplant screens the letters that come from me and from them on both ends. So... It's a friendly thing, but it's very emotional because you've received a gift from a family that helped make a decision to save you that you could never repay. So that's that's another reason why you do volunteer to give back. Oh, (laughs) right here. Oh, my goodness. And so do you still stay in contact with the family? Yes. It's funny because my donor mom, well, the father, he died maybe months after I met them. And the mother, she's like 80, and she texts me ever so often. Are you married yet? And so I'm like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, we, we keep So it now, hey, we're on radio here. We can find you a husband. We're going to do the ceremony. You right, Pastor? <laughs> okay, but now we want to make sure, uh, Tammy, that those listening, and it's other churches now mm-hmm. that we've got those listening that are you know part of a church and want to get their church mm-hmm. on board because this Give Like 10 is going through September 1st. Mm-hmm. What can people do to get involved? Um, they can uh, contact us at Mid-South Transplant. They can visit midsouthtransplant.org. We actually have a landing page and details of Give Life 10 on the website. There are materials that they can download from the website as well. And I wanted to go back to uh, Dr. Gino when he mentioned it's amazing to hear him speak about organ and tissue donation because I still know churches and it's it's an uphill battle because so many Pastors are still, they have their own thoughts and misconceptions. So that hinders us from even getting into some of those churches, because if they're not for it, if they're against it, they're not going to allow us to share with their congregations. So um, I just want to thank Kim and the the pastors that we, especially in the African-American community, there are still a lot of pastors that we are Pray them through. Work on them. We got to really work on them. Come because, on, <laughs> we really got to work on them because they, you know, they still have those thoughts. Um, and, and if you have that attitude towards it, I can only, you know, that's what you're going to portray to your membership. Exactly. So 
um, it's important that we can get in touch with them. And if you have questions, if you want us to come out and speak specifically to your pastors to help you with your pastors, especially if you are a recipient and you know that your church or your ministry can help, we really would love to come and speak with the pastor. If he has his own reservations, it's important that we make sure he's open and feels comfortable um, with it. We're um, hoping for more people to get on board and support. I think it's important simply, Byron, because of what Sabrina said uh, it's a gift and it's a donation that she'll never be able to repay. That's the crust of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. It, it is a donation of life that we will never be able to repay. And there's one other thing, and we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I, I know as a family is thinking about their loved one providing that tissue or organ donation upon their time of their death or untimely death in many cases. Is a family, Tammy, able to have a regular funeral or how yes, long sir. do they have to wait before they can do that? That's another misconception that, you know, you're chopped up and your body's not presentable. We ensure that your body is presentable, casket ready for a ceremony. So uh, you're, you're nicely sealed up after donation. That's important, especially for African-Americans. We have some homegoing celebrations that can get (laughs) kind of extravagant. So that's an important issue for us. We want to make sure that they understand that you're you're presentable after your organs have been procured. You were there. Mid-South Transplant Foundation is there to walk families through the entire process. Yes, sir. We have like requesters and we have our family services coordinators that actually are in the hospitals and work with the families. And they are extremely kind. They're extremely patient. They're there for them in this time because it is a critical time. It's emotional. In addition to the donation, you have to think about the loved one that you lost. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a very sensitive matter. And we are we ensure that we remain sensitive Throughout the situation, it's right. not a matter of it's like a drive-through. We just come get them and go on. It's not that. No, it's no. what we we are very careful with our families, and we keep in touch. We keep in touch with our recipients and with our donors because they make it happen. They they help us save lives, and so yes. we have wonderful relationships and networks with nice. them, and we keep those yeah. relationships intact. And the fact that you have a man on your board like Dr. Gino here, Pastor Gino, that is helping families walk through this. I'm sure you get opportunity, Pastor, at times. I have at times, uh, especially, again, the, the Taylor family. Keith and Taylor Jr. lost his life at seven years old. It was a blessing that at seven years old he was able to save eight lives. That is a blessing. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Miss Sabrina. Thank you for coming and sharing your story. Uh, those guys out there that are interested in uh, learning more about any kind of uh, dating opportunities, they're going to have to go through <laughs> Dr. Gino first. He will be screening those people. I but, appreciate uh, it. But, <laughs> anyway, we're glad to have Mid-South Transplant Foundation. Oh, friend, don't forget now, it's Give Life 10 through September 1st. Get your church involved. Go to midsouthtransplant.org. Is there a number to call to? Yes, sir. They can call 901-328-4438. All right. Well, friends, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate Mid-South Transplant Foundation. Sabrina, Dr. Gino, thank you for being our guest. Thank you, sir. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I do appreciate you stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 